I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This week's episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast is sponsored by Thorpe FX. Thorpe FX offer the best of British boutique effects pedals built to a standard unmatched in their field. And with a comprehensive range of unique and meticulously designed heavy-duty pedals, Thorpe FX have stormed the boutique world. Check them out at thorpefx.com, where at the moment there is even a clearance section on their website where you can save some serious money on some of their best effects pedals. Or visit one of the many retailers stocking Thorpe Gear worldwide from Andertons in the UK to Toman in Germany AMS in the USA Vintage Guitar in Norway Pedal Empire in Australia and loads and loads more ThorpeFX.com This week's episode of the Guitar Nerds Podcast is sponsored by Orange Amplifiers and their Tremlord 30 guitar app. A very orange take on a classic, cool 1950s amplifier. It's a 30-watt-112 all-valve guitar combo with two foot-switchable valve-driven tremolo speeds and two-spring reverb tank. Everything you need to deliver high-quality, vintage-inspired, boutique-esque tones in the near-indestructible chassis of an orange amplifier. Harking back to tremolos made famous in the 50s, the 12AX7 valve-powered tremolo oozes versatility and depth. With crystal clear clarity and buckets of headroom, the orange tremolo 30 is the latest in Orange's run of meticulously designed pin-drop perfect amplifiers. Visit orangeamps.com forward slash tremlord for a detailed overview, sound samples and links to dealers worldwide. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I'm You're right. your host, Joe Branton. Yeah, this is two weeks in a row. Joined this week by Jay Cross. Hi, Joe. Mark Packham. Hello there. And Matthew Knight. Hello. I keep forgetting how to start this podcast. Yeah, I've got clearly. the ending down now, but the start... Well, that's because no, you've got it written down, that's why. It. Yeah, that's true. I, maybe I should write the start down as well. Anyway. Professional. Affordable. Yeah. Oh, that, that's me. Uh, that's me. It isn't that, I think that's Tresme or oh, something, is it pro- isn't it? Professional yeah. affordable. Yeah, I think it's it. <laughs> some sort of. So I, I don't know. Like you said, professional, and that just jumped into my head. I I'm think it's Tresme it. or some sort of hair salon gear. I mean, you may have. Hang on, that's a hey, Mark, it, affordable. Do you want to use that mic? Yeah, I am. I'm talking in oh, it. Yeah, it, okay. is, it is Tresme. Well done. <laughs> professional affordable Tresme. That's a great tagline. 
really the, good. The next thing that comes up on Google is professional, affordable tree surgeons. Oh, yeah, so lovely. lovely. That's <laughs> important. Because they're expensive a lot of the time, tree surgeons. Well, yeah, yeah. But I do still want them to be professional. Mm. <laughs> I don't want yeah. any. I don't want any amateur tree surgeons because no. that could be painful for them and me. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. You've got to keep all your bushes in, you know, neat order. It's more the uh, large trees in my back garden. Mm. Mm. Um, those two. Yeah, you know, you need a professional to look at those. So anyway, this week, me and Matt Knight have just got back from Arc Tangent Festival in uh, just outside of. Uh, Bristol in the southwest of England, which is definitely it's it's the most geeky uh, music festival. There it's the is best for, festival. It's the best festival. Mainly, we, we, mainly us. because there's no idiots there. Do you I know mean, what I mean? What are you talking about? Uh, like Joe, we're Joe literally looking at him right now. Hello. No, yeah. it's no it, no idiots. You're allowed at least. One. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> gotcha. But, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's very good. It's certainly. Uh, I mean, it's 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 for the most geekiest guitar music there is. So it is a it's a perfect place for for people like us, and also kind of for guitar brands, which is you know probably the only uh, the only music festival that could successfully have a company like Boss sponsoring it and having a a whole sort of stand and stage there. Yeah. So while you were working, well, while I was working, Joe, you were drinking. I was pining. Um, yeah, I had to work. Um, but yeah, it was great. We had a shipping container. We basically hired a shipping container um, and put a big old stretch tent out the front to keep people relatively dry. Um, and we just set up a bunch of amps and a bunch of pedal boards. And we had some of the new stuff there. And we just said, look, you know, come up, have a play, talk about guitar gear. We had um, our friend Alex Touchins do a bunch of demos. He wrote a few songs for it specifically. It's, it, do you know what was funny? Sort of, it, it's it, Alex Hutchins is obviously always used as the as the demo guy for boss stuff, but and and of course he was playing demos, but people were specifically going to watch his show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's arc tangent. Because it's just the geekiest. Like it, it must. Well, there must be ninety percent of people there playing instrument. Well, what was interesting is because Alex always writes music specifically for what we book him for. So he wrote a song on an eight string. Um, and he wrote a strong u- a song using the um, Boss Strandberg. He well. did, yeah, yeah. I, I that. thought that's what he just used. No, no, no. He plays Waghorn. Waghorn. He has his own signature. Which evidently are, are made in Bristol, which is yeah. where he lives. Yeah, they are. Um, but yeah, yeah, he played those. It was it was great to see his eight because also he doesn't just have it's not just an eight string. He has uh, a specific set of strings for his eight string. Go on, which have, okay, I'm in now. So I'm interested. Yeah, yeah, okay, so the the low two strings on the eight string are are black, are, are coloured black, and then what, the, like co- covered in nylon. Uh, like no, a, no. You can get sort of, you know, how you can get those luminous strings. It's yeah, just, they're usually so it's like just a the, powder coating. Yeah, isn't yeah it? they're usually like wrapped or yeah, like, yeah, so I, like some sort of powder yeah, so, something light on this, just so he can separate it, so he he can see. Because he was saying it was difficult to sort of move between eight and six as he does so much. You normally just get used to one or the other, I guess. So the rest of the six strings are yeah. normal, and he can think of those in the same way he would. His oh, okay. Guitar, yeah, I and get then it. he plays like that is quite interesting. He yeah, does yeah. that for all the sort of uh, the compositions he has, where he's kind of playing every part and building it up. So yeah, he yeah. uses yeah. the low two strings very much for all the bass lines. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, because obviously he tunes in fourths as well. So not only have you got to get around playing an eight string, you have yeah. to get around his obscene tuning as well. Oh, it's a great tuning. Can it I say it makes can... perfect sense? It's just uh, yeah. Can I say I was I was prepared to write off Waghorn guitars right. well, as uh, you know not for me because you know as we know I love tellies and Les Pauls and uh-huh. every custom builder builds like crazy stuff that's not for me but 
on their page, if you go to their electric guitar page on their website, the, the header image is a fretboard. And across the, I guess, 10th, no, probably 9th, 10th, 11th and 12th fret, <laughs> there is an inlay of it must be various different woods. It looks like maple yeah. and then... And there's definitely uh, yeah, some ebony, ebony some figured there, ebony yeah, yeah. in there. Um, and they've made Jaws, basically. They've made the from shark, James the Bond. Whole... Yeah, no, no. no. Jaws oh. from Jaws. <laughs> the uh, whole shark. Um, yeah, I would have preferred Jaws from James Bond. Yeah, same. Yeah, I'm, I'm, can we move on? This is boring now. Fine. Um, it looks good. Yeah, it does look good. You're right. It does look great. I'm back on board. He, yeah, I mean, the guitars are, are, yeah, super modern, but they're very, very well built, really nice, and, and totally suit uh, Alex Hutchins as well. Yeah, because obviously he was playing his AH6, which is his signature with the extra fret behind yeah. the nut on the B and e, top B yeah. and E strings. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. Hang on, stop, sorry. Yep. Explain <laughs> that again, please. So Alex tunes in fourths, right? Yeah. So... Is that the what theory- Robert Fripp did? No, he tunes no. in fifths. He tuned in fifths. So okay. You tune in, you basically, you tune, and a lot of like guys like Tom Quayle and all these sort of players tune in force because everything then becomes symmetrical across the fretboard. So if you, you know how you would play like an octave and yeah. it's like a fret apart, basically, a fret yeah. and a string apart. But then when you get to the top strings, you have to kind of shift up a fret, don't you? So one fret has to like go up. Because- yeah, because when you get to the, the, B, yeah, it's, it's yeah. it moves. So when you do fourth tuning, you don't have to do that because you've tuned everything down a semitone, basically. Oh, I see. So he's he's just he's and, not a very good guitar player. Yeah. So <laughs> never learned to went... play guitar properly. Is that what it is? <laughs> so um, when he went on tour with Stephen Wilson, obviously everything is in standard tuning, and some of it requires open strings. So he had to basically have an extra fret built behind the nut. So he could play <laughs> all the strings in standard tuning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I need to see a picture of it because I can't quite get my head around how it works, but like... It's it's really bizarre. Yeah, yeah I had him talk me through it. It's... Uh, it's yeah. yeah. It's, it's, because uh, also it's, the, the, the crazy thing about the tuning is if you play like an E major shape, right, and it's E major, and then you move that same shape over and it's A minor, you, mo- you can play the same shape over again and then it's D major. Oh. Rather than the normal shape, because that's how the tuning works. Basically, it means everything you play is totally symmetrical across all six strings. That's very weird. Yeah, Do he you- put a video up on his channel, actually. It's worth a watch, because I've sat down with him, and he talked me through it, and I was like, oh, it makes perfect sense. Like All the scales and everything, are like, you don't have to learn a different shape for the top strings. So is he, is he only, is he in standard tuning apart from the top strings? Yeah, the top two strings, yeah. Right, fine. Okay, so he's not, like, tuning so it's it not, down. It's so- not as weird as what I'm doing. Like it's, it's, it's quite well, yeah, but yours is just tuned down, right? It's frip in fifths, right? So it's it's starting, what, six, and that's what baby. Tim tunes in as well, right? That's what Tim tunes in. I actually don't. I actually just go drop C in order to keep it a bit more. Simple. And then he Tim plays upside down in fifths, right? Yeah, <laughs> I thought yeah. you were going to say inside out. Actually, that, <laughs> he plays upside, upside down, down, inside out. <laughs> that was a, a part of the reason behind me staying in drop C because Tim's in fifths and upside down. Um, it's really hard for me to work out what what riffs he's playing uh, and then play along with them. And it was it was easier for me to keep in a simple tuning and work them out in that than it would be to have all my notes in places that I'm less familiar with and have to work out what he's playing upside down in frit. inside out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, inside out, yeah. yeah, exactly. But yes, I just but, really um, like standard tuning. 
Well, I'm really know. into it. It's really good. There's Old always, school. There's always yeah, one, isn't there? Yeah, I well, guess. you know, I learned to play Wonderball when I was 13. I can still play it now. Although, ironically, not in standard tuning. Oh, really? cap on the second fret. Oh, well, yeah, not a lot that, of people yeah. know that. Oh, that, that is, uh, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, we're going back to the, uh, the, the container. It was very good and very busy, and lots of people loved the SY1. Yeah. Uh, I guess it kind of fits in with the crowd of a compact synth pedal. Everyone was like, oh, my God, I can sound like a synthesizer. Um, so, yeah, it was it was amazing. Like there, I think there was one... No, there were two people that I think played with headphones on for about an hour and a half. Yeah. yeah Just like totally lost the world of their own. I'm like, you know, you're at a festival as well. I also saw some dude play Nintendo for th- like two hours. Why? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what, you had a Nintendo on your on your? Oh, bus. that would have been amazing. That No, because we, we actually did have a TV and I was like, oh, imagine if I'd bought my Nintendo. That would have been great. So where were, Mario they, Kart tournament. where were they playing Nintendo? Like, so we um, so we had the container and then we had a big old stretch tent out the front. And then we had a bunch of um, picnic benches for people to sit and watch and, and, you know, chill out throughout the day. And uh, he was just sat on one of those benches playing a... a oh, what, like just playing a, Switch playing or something? Switch, yeah. No, he was playing a 3DS, actually. <laughs> oh, vintage. I like Still it. good. Oh, Still nice. good. Very nice. But also, the other thing you did, Matt, at your stand, other than, you know, having all the all the great boss stuff there for everyone to check out, you also did breakfast sessions. Yes. Um, um, so some, this is a bit, Just this some of the bit, guitarists. Yeah, so this was a bit of a weird one because... We well, boss was uh, at Octangent in 2016, and we had like this big broadcast truck, and it had all our gear on it. And they did this breakfast sessions thing. And to be honest, they I saw pictures from it before, and they were like, Jock was like, who was the organizer? Like, oh yeah, they were quite they were quite popular. And the guys who did the truck were like, we had a few people there, and I saw some of the pictures, and I was like, there was like ten people standing there, and I'm like, I'm getting up to maybe three hours before any other music starts to put on some bands where no one might stand in front of the container. And for the first breakfast session on the first day, we had 200 people in front of the container had all come down to see all the bands that we put on. So it was like really, really successful. We did um, three bands one morning and then three bands another morning. I have Um, to say, I think, I think part of the reason it was so well attended you know, it was it was obviously it was obviously fantastically located in the middle of the festival, but the lineup was just so strong across Arc Tangent. I think that um, everyone had far less time to get messy and and had to be up on time because there were so many good bands throughout the day. So yeah. you're basically saying that Matt caused the festival to be completely dry, totally sober, <laughs> no shenanigans, yeah. all yeah. because of Matt's boss truck. Yeah, that's true. But the great thing was you picked some fantastic bands to to get on the stage. Some of the biggest, coolest pedal boards I think I've ever seen um, from yeah. some of the bands. We, I mean, you had, uh, I think my, my favourite... My favourite pedal board and favourite guitarist at the festival uh, was from a band called Clit Drip, and he has a it's it's a, a band that just has a guitarist, a vocalist, and a drummer, but he will create and add percussion that the drummer then plays along to. By he has a deal for, and he'll do things like a um, he'll he'll smash the you know the the rate up on a delay so it grabs that note. You get that. You know how a DL4 doesn't ever reach that that point. A lot of digital delays don't have that point where it over it goes over the top, so it will just stay on that. So you've got that constant note coming through the delay. He'd then run that out into a boss slicer, so it was giving it like like, and then the drummer would play to that, and they'd be able to build something over the top. 
You could do a great that. covers band of this banjo. Yeah, just just, just, banjo. just on vocals. <laughs> banjo. Yeah, but... um, yeah I, I actually took a picture of his pedal board. And yeah, what I really loved was that not only was he using an SL20, he was using an OD20. Classic digital distortion um, from uh, from Boss in about 2001. I remember that. The I yellow like, oh, one, the double pedal yeah. yellow one. Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, he was basically yeah capturing notes with a DD7 running it through a slicer, looping it, was a DD7, it, was it, and then he was using the ring modulator on a Strymon Mobius to pitch. So he was matching the ring modulator to the pitch of the note that he was playing, um, and then he was using an FZ3 fuzz pedal to just make it sound like disgusting, and then basically ran that through a micropog and split it into two amps. Yeah, um, and it was wicked. He was creating like the the these like really synthy bass lines, and the drummer had written a specific set of drum parts on an Aturia drum machine. And they just did this like amazing 20 minute sort of, well, actually they did two songs and then he was like, Oh, should I talk about my pedal board for a bit? And everyone was like, no, play more songs. Um, <laughs> and they, they actually, they kind of wrote a song on the spot and then they did a song they were working on, but the, they were really, really good. The most astronomically talented band uh, that I've, I've seen in a long time. Funnily enough, after all after the board is literally massive. I mean, I did hear that, because it was so heavy, because it weighs thirty k, they couldn't. That's too much for he, a pedal board. He couldn't transport it to the boss stage, so they had yeah. to get they a had buggy. to get a buggy to come and pick up his pedal board and drive <laughs> yeah, yeah. it to the. To the but, it was a um, it was a custom board. They'd got a friend who yeah. was like a metal welder, and he basically went, "This is the layout I want," and then they basically just a- absolutely built it, absolutely and then amazing. it lives in the flight case. But yeah, it weighed a ton. But uh, um, yeah, it, it it was a super incredible board. But then the thing was, after after this board, this this incredible pedal board that has hundreds and hundreds, you know, well over a thousand pounds on on the board worth worth of effects, he then plays through an Epiphone Les Paul with, uh, with but he's he's swapped out the pickups for like a Gretsch. Um, those Gretsch style pickups. What do you what, call them? TV Jones? Or yeah, something. like yeah. Filtertron or something. Yeah, I didn't yeah. see what what ones they were, but yeah, he's swapped swapped out the pickups in the Les Paul for that. But it is just an yeah, just an Epiphone Les Paul standard. All that money, all that money, and he's just using that. I didn't see what amps. I think the amps are relatively low grade as well. I think it was just like a heart key bass uh, bass combo. I've seen them a couple of times, and I assume they could have been using house backline here, but then I think. I think Marshall and Orange sponsored the festival, so it, it was strange that there was a hard key bass amp. But still, um, yeah. Why is he using such a cheap guitar? He had like three <laughs> Strymons on his board. Who else did you see? Priorities. Yeah. I mean, the other other people that were, were incredible on the boss stand, I think, were in, in a similar sort of vein, were aiming for Enrique, who's another a two-piece this time, an instrumental two-piece with a guitarist and a drummer. The guitarist, again, has an absolutely huge pedal board. Um and he does an awful lot of um, uh, kind of weird ring-style sounds. He does oh. some really clever stuff with loopers, basically. Like, really rhythmic rhythmic stuff with a DL4 and an RC3. Yeah. And um, I hadn't heard of them before until a colleague of mine in the US was like, oh, I absolutely love this band. And uh, one of the engineers who works in Japan was like, oh... I've heard this band and they, they use an RC3. So they sent me the link and it just so happened they were playing arctangents we got him on the booth and it was like it was mental he was using these banana effects as well have you seen those oh, bana- like- banana 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 the banana effects we talked about mark did a video they're not about banana, banana it's banana banana no right? that's called banana you don't meet the japanese company matty yeah 
Yeah, banana na 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 na. Oh, I thought they were just. Banana. Oh yeah, that is true. Yeah, yeah. that is oh, true. They are banana na na na. Banana na 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 na. Oh yeah, you're right. Which which I assume banana they're called that. Isn't it banana na effects? Banana na. Banana na na na. Banana na. Amount of A's is one, two, banana. three, four. So it's banana na. No. Banana na. Banana. It's basically banana na. Banana na. Banana na. I'd go banana na. I'd go with banana na. Or banana na. It's or banana Interestingly, it is uh, the sound that you would get if uh-huh. you said banana into one of those pedals. Uh, yeah. That makes, yeah. That makes yeah. more sense. Um, so, yeah, he used those. He had an old disaster area designs. Um, not disaster area designs. What was it called? There was an old, like, crazy pedal by a company that doesn't make that don't don't exist anymore. It's like an octave up sort of fuzz delay. Had no C three. He ran three amps at once as well: two guitar amps and a bass amp. Um, and he did, yeah, he did a lot with a Moog ring modulator and a couple of boss delay pedals. I mean, I don't it, think it he ever really turns good. that Moog ring mod off. It's uh, it's just going I think the whole time. Well, the, I used to have one. The great thing is, is that you can go from like a tremolo to ring modulator through right. the um, expression pedal. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a mu- the most musical ring mod that I think I've uh, I've played. Wow, yeah. I'm just having a quick look at the uh, Banana Nar site right now, and uh, I'm looking at the Banana Nar Abracadabra, which is they describe as their shimmer reverb. The first line, so it says a, a, a astounding, groundbreaking reverb unit with eight built-in modes. First line, this pedal is completely unable to produce natural reverberation. <laughs> 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 Love it. Love it. <laughs> They are great pedals, yeah. If you can get hold of them. I don't know if you can get them in the UK. Can yeah, you? they do worldwide delivery, but mm. I, I've only seen them for sale in Japan. Right. Yeah, same. Um, I, I've I've looked at them before, um, and yeah, you can't really... In, in Europe, you can them. only get them in Denmark or Italy. Mm. Right, yeah. I mean, they are, they're super cool. Yeah, and, and another, another fantastic band with a massive pedal board. And again, like a very punk rock guitar. I think it was, uh, I think it was just a, a heavily customised... Jazz Master, do you remember what it was, Matt? That he had. I'm pretty sure it was just a Jazz Master yeah, where he yeah. ripped everything out except for the bridge humbucker. Yeah, he didn't say a lot. Stickers. So well, I was need. trying to ask him about stuff, and he was like, "I mean, he could speak English, but not a lot." So he just kind of just got on stage, and just made the most crazy noises I've ever heard, and then just sort of left. I was like, that was wicked. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, isn't that just all of this festival though? People getting on stage and making the craziest noises possible, and then oh man, some part. of the bands on stage were just. There are just, there's so many good bands. Yeah, there some so some of the weirdest bands. weirdest sounds I've ever heard. But on the more conventional sense, it was nice to see some cool guitars. There's this fantastic uh, sort of new grunge band called uh, No Violet. Who I think you know one of the best sort of you know if I'm taking weird music out of this, they're probably one of the best bands I've heard in a, a long long time. Um, and their their guitarist uh, plays a Jagstang. Actually, she has two Jagstangs that she. She switches between, but um, but great to see Jagstangs getting kind of represented. On well, there's not there. that many out in the world. No, so exactly, I'm exactly. I'm not surprised that you don't see them very often. But yeah, I can see right now. Yeah, they've got a couple of different Jagstangs. Yeah, just in these pictures that I'm looking at. Yeah, so the the uh, the girl who fronts No Violet, um, Ellie, um, uh, she uh, she's with the guitarist from a band, Sir, called Sir, and and. Her girlfriend plays the Zoot Suit S, uh, Les Paul. Yes. So they're flat. They have two Jagstangs and, and a, a Zoot, Zoot Suit Les Paul. Paul. And I was just like, oh, that's just... There's, there's no finer guitar. 
Yeah, exactly. It was it was just the best suit. suit let's pull oh, the suit suit is the is, is the best. Have you ever seen the band Sir? Have you ever seen them? They they they're a bit more conventional, a bit more punk rock for you guys. Two guitars, no no bass player. Two guitars and drums. Zoot suit, Les Paul, and a and a Telecaster. Nope. No, no. Well, they're very good. They were okay. very good. They're very good. Yvette Young was there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so Yvette Young mixed up. Uh, she was playing with her band Covet. She also did an acoustic solo set, but in her band Covet, acoustic. Yeah, which was really. It was a bit weird. Oh right, okay. Because it was a really big stage for it to be an acoustic solo set. It was to be honest, quite hard to hear from sort of. Well, it wasn't like mic'd up or anything. Well, it was, but it was just, you know, yeah, it unless, was just, yeah. I, I was also, you know, quite deaf by this point. You sure. know? It, was, uh, <laughs> it was just, it was just hard to hear. But uh, yeah, in, in her band Covet, she started off by playing her signature model Strandberg, which she painted herself, which was very cool. And then she moved on to a green sparkle, Ibanez Talman, because she's moved from Strandberg to Ibanez. Yeah. Is there, is that actually a signature model? Well, no one else has one. She had a pink sparkle one that she was playing yeah. for ages. This was the same, but in seafoam green. Right. And then, um, and then recently on her Instagram, just before I went uh, to Arc Tangent, and she put up a picture of a natural one which she'd painted in kind of a similar vein to the way she'd painted the Strandberg before, but she didn't play that. I guess it maybe wasn't finished before she had to to come over. But um, but what was great was she hung around the festival like an ordinary punter, just sort of walking around for, for the rest of the day. So I got to have a chat with her about her equipment and stuff, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, she was absolutely fantastic. And of course, the headliner on the last day was Meshuggah. Two headlines were Coheed and Cambria and Meshuggah. Coheed and Cambria, obviously known for their explorers. So we got to see a range of uh, Gibson explorers. I thought they were known for that geezer's big hair. Yeah, I mean, they are mainly known for that geezer's big okay. hair. Yeah. yeah, Claudio Sanchez. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, he was playing explorers. Bass player um, was playing the Music Man um, ugh, Cutlass bass. Oh, yeah. Which was oh, okay. the Music Man Precision bass, which is interesting because he was a Fender artist. Right. So I guess he's not anymore. Um, he still had his Fender amps because he had the old pro amps do you remember those had, yeah, yeah, had an yeah. old pro uh 810 yep. and that that big that big head that they did I what the super bass 400 or something oh, okay. i think it was called yeah, i, yeah, yeah, I it remember them so he used to play those and he used to play a nate mendel precision bass okay um but uh yeah he's he's moved on to the uh he's moved on to the cutlass bass which is cool i've never I, seen anyone playing one i still have never had a chance to try one they're really new aren't they quite mm. new like a couple of years ago they're discontinued but uh oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> they trialed them for a couple of years and then just I, they were I, it was a like a it wasn't a p bass style was it it I was thought, yeah they was did oh, okay. they released two then style. they did a caprice and they did they never did a jazz which i thought was weird they did caprice and uh cutlass as electro as electro harmonics have laid down the gauntlet <laughs> you only need a P bass. <laughs> fine, fine, fine. Yeah, but yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, they did too. The the cutlass bass and and the Caprice. The Caprice was a PJ with a smaller body, much like the Sterling, um, uh, as in the Music Man Sterling. And then the cutlass was just a. The cutlass looks so good. I've forgotten how good these look because like. it's it's fat and wide. It's it's really cool. It's just. Do you know what I think it was? I think. Um, the neck, it was like this weird satin but vintage tinted neck, which I think appears on a lot of a lot of cheaper guitars. And whilst I know the build quality was there, I know it sounded great, couldn't help but feel that that neck let it down. And then it comes with a £1,700 price tag, which puts it up against uh, some really high-end fenders, you know, and I just think that was maybe awkward. I think if it had been competing price-wise with an American standard, you know, at the time, as it would have been a couple of years ago, that would have been fine and it would have done well, but... You know, it was competing with 
the American vintage and you know it's 1700 quid you're still I know it's a way off of custom shop but it's still yeah it's still up there it looks like um for those who haven't seen a picture of it it looks like a cross between a P base and an Ibanez Roadster base yeah I do you remember those I love those bases yeah, yeah 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 I totally want one of those I'm just having a quick look well, at I had a fretless one now. I had the old Ibanez Roadster fretless it, the sort of uh Ash finish, but with it in a dark sort of mahogany stain replaced with Bartolini active pickups, maple, completely fretless neck. Oh, I love that bass. Just looking at the guitars now as well, Ibanez Roadster guitars, and they look like something that Music Man would be doing right now. There's a single pickup, um, like single ply scratch plate that covers most of the body in a kind of Strat style, I guess, um, that looks awesome. Um, those guitars don't get enough love. I know. Actually, the old '80s Ibanez stuff around that around that time, Roadster, Road Star, and Musician yeah. series gear. That was that was absolutely happening. I See, was well I don't into that. I don't like the Musician stuff as much because that's all like through neck and like very worn up bodies oh, and yeah. stuff. And it's like very worn. They're up. so heavy. Brown pickups. Yes. Yeah. Oddly, <laughs> one of the first bases that I ever played live was a Roadster. Oh yeah, one of those ones. And then after that, I did. I played in a band where um, the girl playing bass had a musician, and I tried playing, and I was like, "This How is too this? heavy." Yeah, yeah, yeah it's so, so, so heavy. heavy. I often think about buying a musician, and then I I just think about the the weight that comes with those, and I sort of back out of it a little bit. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's not um, it's not for me. But I do quite fancy getting one of these roadsters. Hmm, mm. I'm going to look into it. Yeah. And then, yeah, Meshuggah were headlining. I see, Matty, you got to see them as well. You you said absolutely. you stood at the sound desk for that my, one. One of my top three bands of all time. I absolutely love Meshuggah. So what, um, third what, time I've seen them as well, and it was the first time to see them at a festival, so it was good to see them. Actually, the other two times I saw them was at Concord 2 in Brighton, so it was nice to see them in a slightly bigger capacity. And we spoke about this, I think, last week or the week before on the podcast from a show where you were at the side of the... The stage, of course, they're completely ampless. So, uh, so on stage, it's uh, it's just the drum kit and maybe a touch of the singer. I guess you can hear. Yeah, yeah. So we this time I was, you know, we were stood on the sound desk way at the back, which is obviously where they uh, they mix everything. So it's like the ideal sound, and we were stood above the crowd slightly, so we got a really good view. Um, but just a brutal sound, just absolutely incredible and it's all as far as i'm aware it's all axe effects and it's all midi synced right so they just play and they know what their parts are and then when they go to solo the sounds just there but that's it it's just like it's all about the effect and it's just like absolutely insane yeah i did notice that you know there wasn't a lot of movement going on certainly no uh certainly no sort of um uh, no, no tapping of pedals or anything. They were just sort of, you know, wedged very much in their metal stances. So a five-string Explorer-style Zon bass. Of course. Uh, and then an eight-string, I think it was a Schecter. I assume they're all signatures, the Meshuggah guys. Uh, he plays an eight-string Ibanez, um, from what I could see. Well, that's what they, they do have. Although, I can't. one of the guys has left, and I don't know if it's Threadick Thordenfall who had one of the signatures, who's, who's left on the sugar, he's on indefinite hi- hiatus. Um, but the other guy, Pierre Nielsen, who takes out, taken over, has a signature eight-string Strandberg. Oh, yes, um, there was a Strandberg. One of them did look like a checked headstock to me, but, you know, I, yeah, it was the last thing the, on the, the last day. It's the four-a-side Ibanez one. Right. Because the one band I didn't see, annoyingly, because we, we kind of left early, was Battles, because I didn't realise Battles have gone from a four-piece to a two-piece. Yeah. Um, so I was interested to see how they sort of covered a lot of that or whether they had like session guys on stage and because obviously they they do some crazy stuff with like 
obviously samples and looping and pitch shifting and all that. So I was kind of gutted. I, I missed those. Yeah, I, I saw them and apparently I really enjoyed it, but um, I didn't. <laughs> I don't I, remember. I have no, no idea what happened by highlights, that point. On that. Um, highlights for me were the algorithm. Um, who were a two-piece, eight-string playing band. Again, eight-string guitar and drums. No, they're bass. basically a cross between. They're a cross between Happy Hardcore and Mushuga. I'm in. Yes. I'm yeah, in. That's, that's, that's <laughs> generally what it is. I mean, forget the Mushuga ba- bit. We, we got just, bass cannon. So we played a we played Player. a show. Um, we played a show with uh, with the algorithm once in in London, and uh, we it was obviously quite weird for a prog band to be billed with them because a lot of their fans are like cyberpunks. There was a lot of like a lot of neon and and <laughs> giant uh, uh, giant mohawk things going on. These are the this is I the thought. French band, right? Are they French? Yeah. Yes, something like that. Yeah, yeah I'm just okay. uh, having a look at it now. Was <laughs> okay, the guy good. playing... Oh, I can't even make it out in these pictures what he's playing. I think he's playing one of those uh, Aristides, is it? Yeah, that's right. It was definitely something weird, and I had a chat with him. He's a lovely fella, but I had a chat with him after we played the, the show with him that time. I think it was an Aristides... I'm almost certain that this is not going to sound like happy hardcore. So whoever described it as that, you probably your idea of what happy hardcore <laughs> is probably, is very different yeah, yeah. from mine. Um, I'm expecting this to be metal crossed with dubstep. Yeah, I like maybe, the maybe, uh, was, I like their logo. Yeah, their logo is wicked. Their logo is cool. Yeah. It looks like something from a Dan Brown novel. It does. I um, some sort of Illuminati thing. I also got to see pigs, 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 pigs. Yeah, they're fantastic. Um, who are amazing because they just crank everything to max, mm-hmm. and they basically sound like a modern kind of Black Sabbath. They are a modern Black Sabbath, um, very much. And- a Fender endorsed band, uh, Pigs Time Seven, aren't they? Yep. Yeah, because they uh, they recently did Great Escape Festival in Brighton on the Fender stage. They did. Yeah, they were one of the sort of big names and one of the names, one of the bands that had the most coverage, and it was just the like. People just look bemused the whole time. Right. But I, thought sound, I, I don't know much about them to be honest, but I've—I mean, I've listened to a few songs. They're, they're like pretty cool. I mean, he's an excellent frontman. Yeah, that's, totally, that's, totally. That's their vibe, yeah, yeah, very captivating. Um, um, but yes, but yeah, we, we we should we should probably move on and talk about some some other bits, some some news and things like that. But yeah, all, all in all, if you like weird music and are into gear, then there is a there, this festival is fantastic for that sort of thing. This week's episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast is sponsored by Celestian and their brand new Ruby Alnico guitar speaker. Purpose built to create rich, beautiful vintage tones, the Ruby oozes a richly musical warmth with mellow highs and a smooth, sophisticated mid-range that always seems to sound just right. The classic Alnico speaker shape and lush, deep red colour ensures Ruby really looks the part in your cab and guarantees that no one could possibly mistake this remarkable new guitar speaker's family history. Check out Celestian's new Ruby at retailers including Lean Business in the UK, Tube Amp Doctor in Germany, Algam in France, Eco Music in Italy, Ebeloud in Spain, plus Gear for Music, Toman and The Back Shop. And in the USA you can buy through retailers like Sweetwater, Musicians Friends, AMS, Pass Express, Loudspeakers Plus and of course Amazon. And for more details, check out Celestian.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. You can pretty much go to Tangent and like pretty much any band there. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's all it's all very much everything's in in a in a similar vein. One of the fun things that I got to do there was uh, on the uh, opening the first full day, the Thursday Arctangents. Weird time, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, we did this this big. We spoke about it briefly on the on the podcast the other week, but we did this big tribute set to uh, to our mate uh, Dan Wild Beasley, where we got um, we finished. We finished the set by getting sort of all of his mates, like 20 of us up on stage, uh, along with the band, which were a two-drummer band anyway, and and Dan's wife. And uh, we we turned all our amps up on absolutely full, and uh, everyone played a a D major for what must have been five minutes. Um, Just literally one chord? Yeah, 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 that was was what we did. I bet you were doing a bit of improvising over the top of that. No, I I felt that that would be that would be pushing it a bit so I I did just play my part I just uh, I tell you what it was it was all I could hold off from sort of improvising all over the shop but yeah it was great you know there was a on the main stage there were you know thousands of people watching it it was great because we had uh, um uh it was um what's oh oh no it's Mike Venart from Ocean Size and and Biffy Clyro yes he was friends with Dan so he was part of the main band as well and it was great that they got Jess up to do a thing but oh the amount of noise from having uh from having yeah, sort of twenty plus people all with maxed out amps. I mean, was... yeah, you say that like you're surprised, but yeah. like you've got twenty people playing their amps. Uh, what amps were they? Like Marshall MS twos or something? <laughs> different people brought different uh, things. Actually, Matt was very kind to sort out a few people with a with a few amps, including Dan's wife Jess. He he lent her a Katana fifty, mm-hmm. um, and and I was going through one of the uh, um, those boss. Uh, Base cubed 120s. The oh, yeah. CB 120XL. Oh. It sounded great. I actually played it for a bit. I was like, oh, this is right. I just I just never thought about that amp as being half decent. But I was like, you know, I was in the sound check. I was like, oh, yeah, sort of. I know we've just got to turn it up on full, but I guess I've got to work out, you know, what I can do. And I was like, oh, there are effects on this. So I just maxed out the reverb, maxed out the drive. And, uh, a bit and of flanger. Yeah. Oh, I thought, God, I should have done that. Yeah, damn it. But yeah, yeah, that was uh, it was great. We made loads of noise and it was fine you know we were all on stage sort of you know screaming and playing this chord as loud loud as we could and then like and then sort of everyone we all sort of you know took our guitars off clapped at the end and looked out and just the entire audience was crying which was <laughs> which was sort of the, a very strange thing to kind of finish a, a live stage performance well, it's, the, it's a different reason than you know normally yeah, the normally audience is crying cry. when you're playing yeah, you know exactly so. i did feel very sorry for marty from a tota so who had a perforated eardrum uh, it didn't it didn't when the D chord started, <laughs> but then he did. Well, after. He already did. He just had to just yam as much cotton wool and then an earplug in his ear as possible to to so he could survive the uh, sort of five minutes. That sounds horrendous. I tell you what, it was a lot of noise. You could really feel it in your chest. It was, yeah, it's uh, good it was, though. Uh, that's what that's what I like about the volume. Like volume, yeah, yeah. Is, is a is the kind of sun make a big thing of that about how they want to kind of uh, elicit a 
physical physical response yeah, as yeah. much as an emotional response from their wall of sound so i bet it was wicked yeah i do yeah I, I reckon it was, it really was brilliant cool. it was brilliant a lovely send-off anyway we should talk a bit more about guitar gear uh, as it were mark packham hello there uh, i was t- i was having a flick through the facebook group um for stuff that might be interesting to talk about and and uh, i came across the digitech talker indeed yeah so i posted this i saw a um a demo of it and it's a pedal i'd completely forgotten about um and matt i don't know if you uh, remember it but uh, I'll, you can give your kind of thoughts on it in a second but from what i remember you know it was one of those you know it lasted a few years when i started working in guitar shops and then no one really wanted them so we were selling them for sort of 50 quid in a bargain bin that kind of thing uh, what it is essentially is vocal effects for your guitar so there's a vocal uh uh, vocoder sorry built in but there's also a bunch of other settings one of which is tasmania which uh makes your voice sound a bit like that kind of tasmanian devil that kind of like kind of um <laughs> uh thing and um you also have alien there's also alien on there as well and to be honest when i watched the demo i what didn't get sort as far of as, alien i didn't yeah, get as one? far as alien what um, you were already <laughs> you were already sold yeah i was like this is fantastic <laughs> you had me at newa yeah do you remember these matty yeah, I um, never owned one, but I definitely saw them pop up a few times. And I was always like, oh, mate, that's interesting. I don't really know a huge amount about it. And slowly over time, I've seen the price just like get ridiculous. And I'm like, really? Like, because I can't think of anyone famous who's used one. Although I was just having a check here. Apparently, Daft Punk used one on Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. For oh, the- oh, I mean, that's okay. why the price is something crazy. So, yeah, I would imagine that, as with all things bargain bin esque, um, you know, they one person uses it and then uh, it goes crazy. Uh, it goes, I mean, like, I'm sure we've talked about it before, but in Japan, the original poster for the 808 and the 303, which is Oscar Peterson, the legendary organ player, with his bass and drum accompaniment for his yes. like, and you know that. And then people were like, "I don't need that." And then someone just went, "You know, if I turn the resonance up on this bass, it sounds really cool." Um, and I guess someone picked up the Digitech Talk and went, "I'll just play a riff through it," and it went, "That oh, sounds amazing." And then that that song went off to become massive, and then now everyone wants a Digitech Talker. The thing that surprises um, me on it because we put it up against like uh, we listened to a demo of both the Electronics Iron Lung and also the Talking Machine, which are their two kind of guitar vocal pedals. The Digitech for me sounded more like organic, and it sounded like uh, hard to describe, but it sounded more vocally than those other two pedals. The talking machine always really confused me. Like I never really understood the point of it. And I remember when it f- when we first had them in at the shop and Matt trying to explain them to me, he was he, I, and I, I remember this so vividly. He was he was saying, "Yeah, but what it does is it makes your guitar sound like a person saying sounds." And I was like, why would anyone want that? And he went, no, listen, look at, listen how good this sounds. And it was like, oh, what, oh, what, oh, what. And I was like, that doesn't sound like a person. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a filter pedal. Did you did you ever have a talking machine, Matty? No. Uh, do you know what? I've never owned a vocoder pedal. I must admit, it's one thing I've never really owned. Is that because you don't 
you know, like, have a really mic like, set up and a, I don't have a mic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although um, the talking machine, though, you don't need a mic for the no, iron no, lung you don't is the have one that to, requires you can, a mic. You can plug obviously a mic into the talking machine. Yeah, yeah. The iron lung. Um, I just remember getting the iron lung out and just doing the Transformers theme tune. Yeah. Um, well, which the, is obviously great. The Digitech Talker sounds even more like that. It sounds like the the Transformers. Um, it's amazing, yeah. I've, it's been a very long time since I've even thought about it. I'd forgotten that it even existed, and then yeah, this video popped up, and turns out absolutely amazing. But also mega money. Really I tell expensive. you what, the uh, the YouTube algorithm is is like it's buried its way inside your brain and discovered wow. things about you that you didn't even know. I know. Wow. It's like I remember this do, pedal um... used to have to move around the boxes for <laughs> twenty years ago. Do you think some of the sounds from that ended up in the synthwire? No, like no, I don't think of... so. It sounds, uh, it's for, for my money, it sounds quite a lot better than the Digitech Synthwire. How long before the Synthwire becomes a sort of well, the key six, is 700 pounds? Get the pedal. bass one. You know, that's mm, the, yeah. as we know, with any synth pedal, the bass version is always better. We so, don't have uh, the bass one, unfortunately. We had a, a, a very lovely listener send us the guitar version. Mm. So we do have a, a guitar one in the Guitar Nerds box. I mean, aren't the bass Synthwire still just like four quid? <laughs> that's how yeah. much we were selling them for. Well, we, we I should, think they're we done should now. stop I think talking not... about it, actually, yeah. because they'll go up in value. <laughs> <laughs> Can you still buy them? Let's have a quick look. Maybe we were selling them for no money, Gak. Honestly, maybe we yeah. should start buying pedals really cheap. But and it was that about era. It podcast loads. Yeah, it was that era. Yeah, of- <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a great idea. That's, isn't that what uh, like John McAfee did with uh, cryptocurrencies and stuff? Is Probably. He, he would like buy. He's into- done a lot of stuff. Well, you know. Exactly. Speaking of speaking of uh, kind of you know reminiscing about the old days, as we are want to do, um, in our little group chat today, it hmm. it turned out that both Matt and both Matt and I started at GAC on this day. Different years. Different today? years. Matty started at GAC 12 years ago today, and I started at GAC 10 years ago today. Wow. How about that? that is, I have no well, idea. Well, you I say started. you started, you, you posted about it on Facebook on that day. Yeah. No, I remember. It was the 19th. Right, okay. It was it was definitely the 19th, I remember, because I had just come back from tour. Well, how about that? I know. Really, really weird. Really weird. Um, but yeah, there we go. 12 years ago. T- no, 10 Wait. years ago, Matt. No, I, I just can't believe 12 years ago. Yeah, no, we, we were talking about me. Ten years. I'm uh, I'm coming up on my twentieth anniversary of working in a guitar shop because I did my first work experience day at GAC in 1999, and it would have been after the schools went back. So at the end yeah. of this summer holiday, basically, will be like my twentieth year. Well, it working in the industry. You are. You are. I'm old. Are I'm, old. I'm really old. old. I'm we super are getting old. old. Anyway, Jay Cross. Um, talking. Well, we're not talking. We're talking of Fender. We're not talking of Fender <laughs> right now. I'm terrible at segues. Really bad. Posted a couple of times in the in the group over the last couple of days. The uh, the Clash Precision Bass. Yeah. So um, basically, there is a exhibition being held at the Museum of London at the moment, which is uh, cataloging 40 years of the Clash. Uh, the Clash's album London Calling, which coincidentally also released on this day. <laughs> <laughs> no, coincidentally, I put on at work today, just oh. completely by coincidence. Uh, obviously, record. I skipped London Calling because I'm not really into that song. <laughs> and once you get past that, the rest of the record is great. This is absolute absurd. bangers yeah. on there. Absolute bangers like uh, Guns of Brixton, amazing. Yeah. 
Uh, Spanish bombs, great. Spanish bombs, Sp- fantastic. Spanish, yeah, Spanish. B- yeah, yeah. yeah, Spanish bombs. Yeah, that one. Andalusia. Yeah, that one. Um, I really don't. I've never liked that song, Lost in the Supermarket. Oh, I love I just, that one. That's, that's the I best just, one. That's yeah, one of the only like Clash that. songs I like. I, I see. I've never got on with that song. I just Jimmy Jazz for me. Jimmy, Jimmy Jazz is a good song. There's some great songs on there. Fantastic record. London Calling, the song just is just a bit like okay, fine. It's too long. That's the problem. A lot of their songs are quite long. They are. Yeah. You're right. Jimmy Jazz goes on for quite some time. Yes. That's why the first album's the best. Yeah. yeah, the first album's great. But yeah, basically, I went from listening to... I, I put on the Ramones at work. Yes, and, now we're talking. Well, yeah, it was... Now gr- we're talk, finally talking about a real band after <laughs> was, 40 minutes. <laughs> talking about people that do that make their music with a calculator. So I put on, Now we're talking about a real band. Uh, there, there, was, there, was, there was someone with a, a giant calculator on like a stick that was sort of... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I, I put on the Ramones and that was all well and good. And was, basically, I put on like... On Spotify, you know, you've got those like essential mixes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I put on that and it was all going great until it got to like the 90s. And I was like, I, I don't. <laughs> what was it like? Punk Essentials or it, something? Yeah, no, no, no. It was Ramones Essentials. Oh, right. No, like, the 90s the stuff's still good. That's when like, CJ comes in. I know. There's some of the CJ stuff. I was just like, I'm, really not, good. I'm not sure about really this at the good. moment. But anyway, that's fine. I moved over to The Clash. And yeah. Going back to what we were actually talking about, uh, there's an exhibition on at the Museum of London, which I assume is in London, but I don't know where. Uh, and it is uh, one of the things, they've got a bunch of old Clash stuff there, uh, including Paul Simonon's P-Bass, which he smashed uh, during a, a show in 1979. And that is the picture that is on the front of uh, London Calling. It's him the, yes, it's, it's just that about to, yeah, he, just about to smash the bass. The the damage that he managed to do to that bass with that I swing mean, is, is they outrageous. are they're unbreakable. I know. P bases are but just absolutely the neck unbreakable. Is like diagonally broken with some of the fret wire still sort of. Yeah, hanging I don't, I don't out know of... how he did it. He must have hit it so hard. And I was just reading on here. Apparently, it was um, down to the frustration that security in the venue wouldn't let people stand. So I assume people oh, were just what? like sitting watching the clash, which is really weird uh but yeah he just like picked it up and absolutely smashed it i he um he came into gak one uh, oh, really yeah he came into gak one and i remember again i remember this very clearly i uh i was wearing a clash t-shirt when he <laughs> but he went into the drum shop which is at the top of the road and then he walked past the guitar shop and went into the pro audio shop next door, so he didn't come in. Oh. And actually, I was a bit glad about that because it's like, oh man, like, I'm wearing a Clash shirt yeah, yeah. whilst he comes in. It's like <laughs> so embarrassing. Um, but uh, but yeah. So if you ever find yourself in London, uh, I don't know, like I say, it, uh, the exhibition will run uh, open on the 15th of November. So yeah, go check it out. Speaking of exhibitions, yes. I've got a really good little one for you. So this weekend... Now that was a good segue. Yes. So this weekend, uh, Matt, my girlfriend and I went to London for the weekend, went to a few little exhibitions, met up with Mark and his girlfriend and a couple of our mates and went to the British Museum to see the exhibition on manga that was on, oh, yeah. uh, which has been really oh, good. I really want to see that. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, Tell you what, don't go on the last Friday before it closes, at, uh, basically after work. It was really, really, busy. really busy. Really busy. Yeah, it closes this week actually, Matt. Oh, so if you it? need to get there, you need to go there now, basically. Oh, okay. Um, See you later. Quit yeah, the podcast. Yeah. Off, off you pop. Go and, go and do yeah, that. Yeah, thanks for that. See you later. Bye. Uh, but yeah, we also went for a little walk around the Tate, uh, the Tate Modern, which was really good. But the thing that uh, I really took away from the my little trip to London was I went to on a tour of the uh, Spirit Collection, which is in the research building next door to the Natural History Museum. As in booze? Uh, no, Spirit as in ghosts. 
Yeah, sure. Goats. Right. I actually don't know why it's called the Spirit Collection. Right. But anyway, um, now I went because they have got on display there a giant squid. It's uh, one of only two uh, full intact giant squids and obviously it's preserved it's dead but there's one of only two in the world and they've got it on display there and it's amazing but the geezer who's given us a tour was talking about kind of the research processes that they have in place and they have like five thousand researchers in the building like every year and it's it's mad and he said that what's um what he's he said which really resonated with me was they have a lot of they've been having a lot of trouble recently with um when they're lending artifacts to other museums because what they will uh, quite often find is that some of the artifacts that they lend to another museum gets returned because the uh, the receiving university or museum haven't got the correct import permits. So CITES. they were talking about CITES. <laughs> so basically the Natural History Museum, as well as all of the rest of us, is really struggling with CITES at the moment. They really didn't think that one through, Oh, man, it was, it was so funny. Like, I didn't say anything, but like, I, it's just really nice to know that we're all struggling with the same issues. Even, you know, like maybe the most famous uh, museum in the world. It's just mad. Yeah, CITES. Right, let's, uh, we should cover a tiny bit of news before we wrap up because we're running out of time. There is a, there's a couple of cool things in the news. There's a thing that kind of straddles on, the other topics section oh, and the so news. I want, just want to so quickly... So before I do the jingle, you want to do this? Yeah, yeah? well, just quickly. Oh, I yeah, just yeah, wanted go. to give a shout out to Fidelity Guitars, you know, friends of the oh, world. Yeah, oh, of man, why didn't we um, mention this? Yeah, yeah, yeah um, who accidentally, I think had an incredible celebrity endorsement this week when um, Dave Grohl did a five-song Foo Fighters set using a Fidelity guitar. Yeah, it was one of the Horrors signature models. Yeah, so uh, they were uh, Dave Grohl and Rick Astley. Uh, yeah, weirdly, Rick Astley. So I was reading the story and I was like, that photo, Rick Astley's on the drums. Rick Astley played the drums for, for the Dave set. For Dave Grohl? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> it, the whole thing is very, very odd. But basically, it was to do It was to do with the reopening of some uh, kind of like special night at the Moth Club, which is 150 right. caps. So There's like nobody there. It was tiny. And the pictures yeah, look tiny, yeah. Dave Grohl rocks up and plays the guitar that, plays a guitar that he borrowed from the, um, the support band or the band that was... Like, oh, so with the horrors supporting? No, the horrors weren't supporting. But the geezer who played the geezer whose guitar it was also plays as a session player in this other band. Right, and he was playing. I'm so confused now. But so yeah. the guy, from, he, the guy he, from the horrors plays in this band. Yes, right. Fine. But it right. wasn't the horrors. It was just like a side gig I that he's gone. Right. Amazing. And yeah, basically he was just like, oh, Dave, do you want to use my, do you want to use my, I assume he said Dave. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. I, can't, I can't imagine he goes by Mr. Grohl. Mr. Dave. Uh, Mr. Dave. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so he used that. And uh, yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. Really, really, really cool. cool. A great Amazing. photo op, if nothing. Like oh, nothing yeah. else. Like the photos of the gig are wicked. And Dave Grohl's there just shouting into this yeah. microphone. And he's got this red fidelity and it looks super cool. So yeah, yeah totally. Shout out to Matt. That's Matt at Fidelity Guitars. That's really, really cool. And it just goes to show, you know, it, it, you you find these kind of little niches of success in the like weirdest little areas, yeah. you know? Yeah, very, very cool. Right, let's do a couple of bits of news. News. Mark Packham, Hello first there. up, uh, Leo Fender's third guitar company, G&L. Yes. 
Yes, that GNL. Sorry, I didn't know where you were going. Oh, that. No, that was it. Uh, yeah, GNL. Uh, this this I suck at segways. Don't I? You really, do like, really real bad. bad at them. Real really bad. bad. Um, so this news is actually a couple of weeks old, but we've only actually just got round now to um, to talking about it. The GNL Espada is the uh, new guitar from GNL Guitars. Unsurprisingly, um, it's a T style guitar. I would say in that it's you know like single cutaway um, and you know high kind of top shoulder, so it looks similar to a telly i guess um and you know obviously coming from the uh company i guess leo didn't design this being that he's been (laughs) dead for quite some time um but coming from one of his uh former companies this seems to fit quite well it's actually to me sits somewhere between um i think there was like a music man design that was a little bit like this as well fairly recently it kind of looks like a saber. I think it's the scratch plate. I think does it. It's yeah. I guess it's so, a sort of T style. Yeah, meets... sort of mash up like a telly and a Music Man saber and the other. You know how G and L have the split pickups. It's got those features mm. in there as well. I think this is this is easily the best looking G and L I've ever seen. Yeah, I think so as well. They've sorted the headstock out. I think that's just because I love tellies. You know. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, there is that. I just don't like. I, I've never liked the headstock on G and Ls, and they've gone for a different design. It's more rounded. Which is neat. I love the split pickups. That's so kooky and cool. I love the block inlays. The incredibly sort of extended, rounded, flowing control plate on there. It's just, there are so many wicked, unique features to this. Some interesting um, text. I'm just actually having a read of the, uh, the press release now. Apparently, when I said Leo Fender didn't design this, it seems like he sort of did. Uh, this um, was this design was first in development in the late 1960s um, at Leo's CLF Research Company, right. um, and he wanted to design what they describe as a bold next generation two pickup guitar for the namesake company. Um, but apparently dropped in 1969. But the blueprints and all the R and D stuff um, essentially was unearthed later um, by Dave and John McLaren, who I assume. I'm not sure they must be designers at GNL. Maybe we want to just look that up. But um, yeah, so they basically used his original blueprints, prints, and R and D, um, and yeah, brought this guitar out now, um, which I think is cool. There's a couple of things to note on there. Um, so you've got a buffered preamp powered by six AA batteries. Um, Ooh. Indeed. Ooh. Uh, that is that is taking this from very cool to no, very uncool. Oh no! For me. Wait, sorry. That was the original design. Oh. Had six AA. Oh, okay, batteries. save this for me. Save yeah. this for so me. So now it's a micro preamp powered by a nine volt battery. Oh, okay. Um, right, we're back which you can room. switch on and off uh, with a mini toggle that's on board. Right. Um, there's a, uh, a bu- you can turn the buffered output on and off. Uh, there's also a high frequency boost. Um, yeah, just seem oh, and passive treble and bass controls. So hey. yes, um, so plenty to kind of look at if you're looking for an alternative to you know the traditional T style oh, guitar. A very stylish alternative as well. This is this is very cool. This is going to be one for those people that are buying you know like like we were saying earlier the Music Man Cutlass style yeah. guitars because they want a change from uh, you know a, a P bass. Well, it's also that price point as well. Well, yeah, they're also really good. Again, it's going to be uh, American-made. $2,000. Two colours available, three-tone sunburst and natural. In the pictures that are available, it's rosewood board on the sunburst one and a maple board on the natural one. So black block inlays on the natural one. Yeah, yeah. so uh, they look very kind of late 60s, 70s. This is very cool. Very, really cool. A really lovely GNL. And, and the body looks very slim, very rounded, sort of tapered edges. Um, I think this is a, a, an awesome guitar. The, the price tag makes it a difficult one for me because I just don't think of GNL as being 
that that premium company, but I think that's probably a misconception by me. Well, I, I think it's actually more that you don't see them in many stores. I can yeah. really only count the number of time I've seen like high end American G and Ls in the flesh, you know, on on one hand, really. Um, yeah, so uh, that's what's going to kind of impede me probably getting to know this guitar particularly particularly well is probably they're not going to be in too many stores in the UK. Yeah. And uh, Jay Cross, there have been a there have been a, a handful of additional cool Fenders released to supplement uh, a current line of guitars at the moment. Uh, yeah, so uh, these are there was a bunch of uh, rosewood neck, fully rosewood uh, one piece neck and board uh, jazz masters. Uh, and uh, I think there's Jaguars as well. It's definitely jazz masters uh, that were, I think. Um, they were exclusive to one US retailer. I can't remember who it was, um, but that's fine. And there are, uh, they, you can get uh, some of them over here in the UK as well at like the Gax and Andersons of the world. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, a couple of the other retailers. To be honest with you, I'm not sure where they've gone because they're, they're super limited, but they are, they look amazing. It says Guitar Center, Gak and Andertons. Right. Okay, cool. So that may be where, where yeah. they are. But anyway, so there is a, um, what looks very similar to a Jay Maskis Jazzmaster. Uh, so you've got vintage white with anodized gold guard. Uh, there is a surf green with a uh, mint guard. And of course, the guitar nerd special, a shell pink with a torque guard oh, yeah. and a one piece rosewood neck. Absolutely. It looks absolutely incredible. And I, I, it's just, you know, it, it looks like something that you would idly make by yourself on the uh, on like the mod shop or something like that. And <laughs> the fact that they're coming out, they just, oh, they just they look fantastic. And they, really they have fantastic. They have different pickups, right? They have the V mod pickups. I was reading here, designed by Michael Frank, who designed Eric Johnson's signature pickups. Oh right, okay. So I the, thought the that was v, what was in the yeah, American v, Pros anyway. Yeah, V mod is the new line of pickups that Fender released. Uh, yeah, so okay. that's in that's what's Pros. in the American Pros. So yeah, the so pickups the are the same. The Basically, they took over from the custom shop pickups that were in the old American standard. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, they're they're fantastic. Really, really fantastic. Yeah, I really, really liked the V mod pickups. I think they sound excellent. I mean, I actually yeah, think- I I was really skeptical to be honest with you i was very skeptical to begin with because well, i was- loved those the like fat 50s that and were the, in the strats the, the custom shop pickups were a big seller for the standards because it was like here you are you can have this sort of relatively affordable but american built guitar mm-hmm. and hey we've put the absolute best pickups we absolutely make in them that was a really big yeah. seller for the standards so to take that away these pickups had to be good and stand yeah. on their own. I really think the VMOD tab, I'm very into them. Yeah, yeah, they're really, really, really cool pickups. And those guitars, I mean, you know, it's a pink one. I mean, what, what more do you want? How many do you want? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What do you want? Anyway, that pretty much brings us to the close of uh, of this week's episode of the uh, Guitar Nerds podcast. We're going to be continuing over on the uh, Patreon episode, where for as little as $1 a month, you can support the podcast. $1 a month gets you the regular episode and free and early. $5 gets you the Patreon episode and a load more. And $10 makes you an executive producer and gets your name read out in one breath by me. <clears throat> Once again, I'm not going to do a backing track, so I know that we had a new backer. Yeah, I reckon this new backer, and I'm not going to, I'm going to let you read the name out but i reckon this new backer Kad- is kadawaki so this is this is someone this is uh, a, an individual Kizow. who's been on the uh, the guitar nerds facebook Kadawaki. group for a long time and i reckon they've just been biding Kizow. their time waiting to Kadawaki. join the 10 dollar tier waiting for the end game <laughs> waiting to, so, so that they can be the one person that 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 
uh, the yeah the straw murders the straw murders the, Joe Branton. Yeah, that one. His out. His his he out. His out. I'm sure this is re- exactly what they were expecting. Yeah, I re- I'm yeah. just trying to pronounce it. Okay, all right, here we go. <coughs> yeah, this is the end. Okay, here we go. Mark Hizio, Kotowaki, Rob Bosto, Stephen Borg, Robert Butterworth, Neil Milton, Marin Peters, Stuart Robson, Jeffrey Wax, Joshua Mitchell, Christian Lund, Hanson, John Pearson, John Mayer, Stubbly Bowling in a Dancing Room, Zach Melton, Keith Adams, Steve Ferguson, Eric Pyle, Andy Joyce, John Anglin, Adam Royce, Chris J. Cutmore, Robert Cousins, Robert Cruz, Scott Hamilton, Tucker Abaddon, Emily Coover, Ross Edwards, Nate Nagel, Stephen Hench, Rob Grant, Matt Roberts, Steve Lee, Emmy James Baker, Ron Coyer, Aaron Sherman, Blake Wyland, Andrew Goody, Jamie Camp, Jake Gray, Matt Bellamy, Martin Cliff, Scott Kennedy, Christopher Lozett, Hans Arms, Robin Smith, Derek Rich, Chris Connors, Rob Norwick, Duncan Watson, Ed Bentley, Steve Michael, Mark McGarry, Carlos Manta, Andy McKenzie, Matt Hayes, Flat on Scott O'Brien, Laurie Estes, Hooker, Hooker, Clip, Hooker, Hamilton, IGN, Hensley, Matthew King, Scott, oh, shut up. What was that noise in the middle? Were you trying to. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Sean Arbo. Christopher Wolfman. It's happened. Oh my it's gosh. Over. Episode 230. The last time we'll ever it's finally happened. read out all the names in one breath. <laughs> you got to think of a new thing now. got to think of a new thing. <sighs> you got to wrap it. Yeah, wow. maybe, maybe I'll have to create an, a, a rap. Maybe each week I do a rap about a different member. No, I, I get hold of bad. them, I find out <laughs> crucial things about their lives, and I make a new rap about them. I also, think we, how, we, about, how about this? Sean and Christopher both get their names read out like, you know, like real people. Yeah, yeah. For rather, the first time ever. <laughs> well, and some of the people that... Some of the people there didn't even get their names read out at all. No. It, it, <laughs> well, it, it totally like, collapsed oh, oh, about five minutes before that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know I'm not in the same room, but I was seriously worried for Joe. That <laughs> you don't see his face, like Matt. Was... His face is like beetroot red. <laughs> yeah, and it's not great when he's doing the... Uh, well, exactly. It's even worse, Thank you, thank you. Anyway, you can follow us on Instagram, at Twitter, and Twitter, at Guitar Nerds. Check out our YouTube videos at youtube.com forward slash Guitar Nerds. And join us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash That's not the YouTube forward slash, handle. Yeah, yeah, forward slash Guitar Nerds. Yeah, yeah that works. Forward slash that does work. Nerds, yeah. Oh, right, okay. You can do Guitar Nerds videos or Guitar Nerds now. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. We well, down. why would you type in those extra few yeah, characters? Well, exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Guitar Nerds Forum. Thanks for listening to us <laughs> thanks for nothing thanks for falling apart for me the now. <laughs> we're going over onto the patreon episode see you later cheers Farewell. Bye-bye. bye bye ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>